0: Hello, I'm Chris White-Elf. Welcome to Inclusion at Work. We have two great interviews for you today. The first was Senator Tammy Duckworth, which we'll get to in just a moment. The second is with David Renault, who is a physician and a writer for The Good Doctor. Senator Duckworth was a Black Hawk pilot in Iraq. She's a highly decorated retired Lieutenant Colonel from the Army National Guard. She's also the junior Senator from Illinois. An RPG hit her helicopter. She lost both legs and had partial damage in one arm. We're gonna to go to a virtual interview with Senator Duckworth. Please meet Senator Duckworth. Well, thank you for joining us, Senator. It's, it's a true honor to be able to talk to you. Uh, you know, you left Walter Reed early in order to start your first campaign. We at Inclusion in Work believe that people with disabilities bring not only value, but skills to their jobs. Has your disability helped you serve the people of Illinois and has it made you a better legislator?
1: Oh, undoubtedly it's made me a better legislator because it's just brought an awareness to uh, uh, all of the uh, ways that people are struggling in my home state and across the country, frankly. Um, And the lack of access, you know, there's just a lot of things you're not aware of until you live that experience, whether it's yourself or someone that you love. And so um, I'll give you an example, just getting around the United States Capitol, it's not very wheelchair accessible. Uh, There's only one entrance to the Capitol, for example, uh, the Capitol building where I have votes that I can actually get in and out of uh, during the day. And uh, if that door is locked, then I can't get out. And so there's a lot of those types of things that are just the the physical aspect of it. But the other is just being a voice um, uh, and who can advocate for uh, uh, persons with disabilities to the rest of my colleagues. Um, You know, it's been a real privilege to get to do that.
0: So as a as a soldier, the soldier's creed is is. No comrade left behind, mm-hmm. and your buddies didn't leave you behind, and you've you've gone on to flourish. Uh, in response to to gut the Americans with Disabilities Act, you said that the disability rights are are actually uh, are actually human rights. Mm-hmm. And what what did you mean by that?
1: Well, because the people with disabilities are human beings, just like everyone else, and we have the same rights to wanting to live a full. Productive lives the way that, uh, that we choose to live our lives is anybody else and nobody questions whether a, you know a, a regularly able person has the right to, uh, you know, life, liberty and pursuit of happiness. Uh, uh, And if you have barriers in place for the people who have disabilities and who have different challenges, then you've taken away those basic rights. And so, you know, talking to my colleagues and talking to folks, I I, I try to put it in a way that they understand. I said, what if suddenly people just, you know, uh, took away barriers for you and, 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 and you would be very upset about it. And yet we don't even think about the barriers that exist for people with disabilities that they have to fight every single day. Just to live.
0: Is that something that's illuminating when you when you share that with people? What if what if they took this away from you? Is it is it something that you're coming from a position where you really know, and and do they look at things differently?
1: It is, you know. I mean, part of this is, for example, the recent fight to um, uh, uh, roll back the Americans with Disabilities Act um, with this very falsely named, um, you know, the the uh, what's it, the Disability uh, Educational Act. And basically, it was just going to say that um, you know, businesses did not have to guarantee uh, ADA compliance. And um, you, you could just go to the back door and explain to the business why you should have access. And they get to wait six months. Um, and then they can say, nope, you know what, I, we really don't want to you know, build a ramp or something. And I said, you know, and I told my colleagues, I said, what if I were to tell you that, okay, all people with blue eyes can't come into your this restaurant um and and you're just gonna have to explain to us why people with blue eyes should be able to go into this restaurant and then after six months we can decide that nope it's too much work to let people with blue eyes in so that's what it's like and and so being able to put it in a way uh that that they realize hey you know what this is wrong we these are our basic civil rights and civil liberties
0: it's wrong and it almost seems arbitrary in some ways right
1: it does. Yeah. And it, because it is arbitrary who gets a disability. Nobody, nobody willingly voluntarily goes out and gets a disability. You know, you're either born with one or, or, or something happens and you develop one. And so disabilities are arbitrary.
0: It's and sometimes there's a need for incentive though, isn't it? I mean, when you were, when you were in Illinois, you were instrumental in creating tax incentives for veterans. and and the Disability Employment Incentive Act is trying to do something similar for people with disabilities, because sometimes it's hard to get through that door. In this divided world, do you think that there is an opportunity for that to pass?
1: I think there's an opportunity for that to pass under a Democratic uh, um, president, which we'll have with Joe Biden, but I don't know that it will pass a Republican-controlled Senate. Um, I think that if you had Democratic control, it would have a great um, opportunity to pass. Um, I just don't know. I just don't know where my Republican colleagues are. They were, for example, willing to vote to roll back disability rights, even when, you know, it was explained to them that uh, these are basic civil rights that that you're talking about. Um, That said, you know, I, I, for example, have been writing a piece of legislation that would create a grant program for mass transit. Uh, authorities to make their mass transit system, whether it's bus or subways, uh, completely ADA compliant. Um, and I've gotten Republicans who like the idea and who who are considering co-sponsoring it. So um, maybe the carrot approach is, uh, is best, but I will tell you, it shouldn't, I mean, we should be doing it because it's right, not because you're being paid to do it.
0: I think that's it, and and we're looking at a lot of lost opportunities. Mm-hmm. It was it was heartening to see that that President-elect Biden mentioned disability in his celebration speech. I mean that that was a historic moment. He's also making a a concerted effort for for employment, um, you know, for for integrated and, and competitive employment. How can how can you be helpful? on that end
1: well i will tell you that he reached out to me fairly early on as he was writing his platform uh for disability uh issues and i'm very pleased to say that i was able to be part of that process and reviewing what they have put forward and making some suggestions for changes for example um uh the plan originally had called for having a representative uh, for disability issues at every single department in, in federal government so that there would be a person uh, uh, with disability issues at Homeland Security, at DOD, at, not just at education, not just at Health and Human Services, but in every single agency, which is very, very true. You need that. Um, I made the recommendation that they should have one also at the White House who coordinates and uh, and, and would answer directly to the office of the president, uh, which each one of those specialists at each of those departments um, and he agreed to it, and so I also asked um, Judy Human, uh, who was at the State Department previously and real leader in this issue, actually one of the original fighters for the ADA, um, and she was part of um, um, helping him to uh, refine his plan. So I'm very, very pleased that they've been so active and being, uh, have reached out to leaders within the community to um, make sure that what they want to do is really, truly what we in the disability community think is um, the correct priority list
0: but well, we know you have to get going. Thank you very much for the time that you've given to us, for your commitment to the country and for your commitment to people with disabilities. And thank you and good luck.
1: Thank you, thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you, Senator Duckworth. Now, please join Nadine Vogel for her interview with David Renell.
2: Hi, I'm Nadine Vogel and welcome to Inclusion at Work. I am so excited to be your host today to interview David Renault. David is a screenwriter, a producer. He's someone who has a disability and has just had amazing success in the entertainment industry. I'm really looking forward to him sharing with you how he's had those successes and what does disability and accessibility in the entertainment industry look like today and hopefully what it'll look like in the future. I look forward to sharing his story with all of you. First thing I'd like to do, David, is just ask you to share a little bit about your background because I think you have a very interesting background that folks would like to hear about.
3: Yeah, so I am uh, I'm actually trained as a medical doctor. I, uh, I went to med school and took family uh, medicine residency program and then I practiced medicine for 10 years. Um, during that time, I got the bug for writing and being a TV and, and feature uh, film writer was a passion of mine ever since I was pretty young. And I found my way back to it after I finished medical school and all my training and decided to get a, a, a little bit of education under my belt in that regard. I went to UCLA and got an MFA in screenwriting. And then I, I moved from there. I transitioned into writing on starting with... Um, Actually, the first show I started with was not a medical show at all, even though I thought that's how I was going to get my big break, <laughs> um, was actually a soap on ABC called Blood and Oil, Uh huh. and I wrote on there for my first year, and then I transitioned over to writing for medical shows, medical, pr- medical procedural shows, and now, as you know, I'm on The Good Doctor, writing on The Good Doctor.
2: Absolutely, and so how, you know, it's, it's interesting because you have so many different perspectives that you're able to bring to this show. Um, do you want to share that with us a little
3: bit? Yeah, you know, it was it was fun when I whenever I have looked at a script when I'm looking at whether I want to um, you know apply for a show. I always look for both a connection that like makes logical sense, like that I can contribute to the room. And obviously, this was a medical show, and I said, well, I know medicine, so that's a great way I can connect with the show. But um, often, more I'm more interested in what kind of personal connection I'm going to have because um, anybody um, any doctor can come and say. Hey, i can bring some medical stories and medical ideas to a show i want to know what what i can bring personally to the show and when i read um, the script for the good doctor my my first thing that drew me to the show was not the medicine but it was the fact that this was a character who had a disability and was struggling to sort of find acceptance uh, because that that first um pilot episode of the good doctor was very much about can this person do this job if he has autism and so that as a person who had applied to medical school uh, uh, with paraplegia, cause I had my, I had a car accident um, which I had when I was 19 years old. So this was before medical school um, as someone who had applied and faced a lot of the same questions and been challenged by a lot of those same, um, those same issues that, uh, you know, Sean Murphy was facing in the good doctor pilot. I was really drawn to that and, so when I had my meeting with um, with uh, David Shore about the show, uh, that's ma- mainly what we talked about. We didn't. We talked a little bit about the medicine, and I had just came off a medical show with um, with Jason Katims. Had a medical show on the air for a season, um, and we did talk a little bit about that and how I broke story medically, and how I helped the writers, and um, how I would help him tell the stories he wanted to tell procedurally, but really most of the discussion that David and I had was about about my experience as a person with a disability you know trying to overcome some of the challenges of of working as a doctor.
2: Right absolutely and I I think that that really um, brings about this issue of authenticity and authentic representation both in front of the camera and behind the camera. So let's start with behind the camera because that's where you are and then we can move to in front of the camera. Yeah. What are your yeah. thoughts about that? About about this issue of authentic representation. I mean, we hear this all the time and although the character has autism, certainly it still represents disability, I think at large. But but I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on that.
3: Yeah, you know, I think there's a lot there's a lot of discussion in Hollywood right now in general about in general about diversity and representing diverse voices. And that, um, that had that, obviously that was never intended to apply to people with disabilities. That was always about you know diverse representation, people of color, people you know. It, it was all about really ethnic um, diversity and and showing the sort of uh, you know a realistic w- world like the world we live in in America and what that looks like. Um, and disability was not part of that conversation, not at all. Wasn't part of that conversation. And, and I can tell you it was really not a part of that conversation because when I first applied to some of these programs with the idea that I don't think this voice is being represented in, in, in film and television, uh, people were like, well, that's not what these programs are for. <laughs> and that was probably 10 or, 10 or 12 years ago, maybe more now. I, wow. I'm losing track of the years. Um, but people weren't talking about disability as diversity and they weren't really talking about We need to hear authentic stories from people with disabilities. So because of that, um, you know, understandably, these stories were told from people without that point of view, and they tended to be um, about tropes. People with disabilities as inspirational figures that we can all feel inspired by their resilience of essentially what amounts to they didn't want to kill themselves, you know, because they had a disability, uh, which is kind of a depressing story for us, yes. but not for them, you know? And then, um, and then the other version was like the butt of a joke, you know, the person in the wheelchair who rolls down the stairs and falls. Um, so th- those were the sort of voices, I'm, I'm sorry, the images that people with disabilities were seeing themselves represented on screen. And since so much of us take our sort of inspiration, our cues, and we build our dreams around people that we look up to around, especially when we're young, you know, but all throughout our lives, we're inspired by our role models. You know, whether they're professional athletes or TV stars or characters in television shows. And if we're not seeing ourselves represented authentically, then we're not gonna have those dreams and we're not gonna feel so compelled to see ourselves accomplishing things that might feel like they're beyond our reach. Now, Hollywood is taking notice of disability in a big way, I'm starting to get more calls to have discussions about um, this from the studios and from the networks. Um, and I've been in a lot of conferences in the last two years just regarding disability representation and authentic voices behind the camera and in front of the camera, as you pointed out, um, and, and that there's some momentum building for sure.
2: Another topic I'd love to hear your thoughts on is this issue of accessibility. So I think that there are opportunities both opportunities and challenges. So let's let's start with the challenges that you see, and then let's talk about how that melds and morphs into more of an opportunities.
3: The biggest problem to access for employment, for people with disabilities in America, the biggest problem, I'm just gonna say it, is is not um, that the people don't have the capacity to do the job, it's that the infrastructure is not set up to allow them to do the job.
2: Absolutely. So,
3: you know, we have, many, many, many really uh, brilliant and talented people who uh, just don't have access to go in and show what they can, what they can do. And in, in the film industry, that is true. It's, it's old Hollywood. It's an old town with lots of stairs and lots of uh, you know, uh, problems with accessibility. Um, and those are our obstacles we all have experienced. And, I, and I'm just gonna talk very specifically from a writer's point of view, although I have plenty of experience on set as well. Um,
2: oh you could talk about it all
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, you know getting in getting into a writer's room for a writer usually involves um, first working as a writer's assistant and then you if you're you know lucky and you perform well and your showrunner um, is excited about your writing you can maybe wait, work your way up to a staff writer which is an entry-level writing position on a show well those writers assistant job or writer's PA job, production or writer's assistant jobs often involve things like running around and getting coffee and um, going and doing a lot of things that have absolutely nothing to do with writing but help a writer's room function and flow. And if if you can't do those things because you, you physically can't, even though you're a brilliant, talented writer, you will never get that job. And if you can't do those things because the world is not set up to allow you to do that, because it's not wheelchair accessible, then you're not gonna be able to do that job either. So th- those are obstacles that are in your way that no other writer that doesn't have a physical disability has to deal with. But as you said, there are also some unique opportunities, I think, in the film industry, particularly, um, that, that make it a good industry for uh, people with disabilities in that we are often building things anew. Um, the business is about, you know, the next project, the next big thing, the next big hit. So we're constantly starting from scratch and creating a world anew. We first, we write a script from scratch and we can write that script in any way we want. We can write somebody with a disability into it or not. Then we are building a set to shoot an episode of TV or a film that is an empty box that has no stairs and we're building a set into it. And we could build that universally accessible, or we could put a bunch of platforms and stairs and things in that environment. This is a business that it's really hard to get your head around why something's successful and why something isn't. We don't know. I don't know why The Good Doctors has been so successful. I have no idea. I, 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 have, idea, I have my feelings about why that is, but why was this show like a hit when many other shows came out this, the same time that year and weren't, weren't a hit? I don't know. And I I think people try to hold on to the things that give them some sort of comfort in a very uncertain industry, which is often doing things the way they've done them. And there's a comfort in that. And that's probably true of every industry, but certainly in the film industry, um, there's a comfort in, okay, this worked. You know, the superhero movie works. Let's keep making superhero movies because that seems to be a formula that works. And to say, you know, we want to change that formula, we want to change that pattern. It takes somebody who's kind of brave and bold and, vi- and has a visionary kind of quality about them to say, let's take a chance on, on something new. Um, but uh, where, where I will not defend is, I, I agree with you 100% that some of this is just ignorance. It's just purely ignorance, which is if I've got to write a script in braille or I've got to do something in a new way, well clearly that person is not capable of doing things the normal quote unquote way. And therefore, we, we can't accommodate because what's the point of accommodating somebody if they can't do the job? And we, which you and I know that's not—that's just not true. <laughs> until you have people with disability in the seats of power making decisions, yes. it doesn't have to be me, okay? Uh, no, obviously, I'd love to be in the seat <laughs> of power. Uh, but, but until you have people with disabilities in the seats of power making decisions in every industry, but particularly for my my purposes today in the film industry people who are you know are our executives at at this networks and the studios who are making the calls on which shows get made and what shows get greenlit people who are writing uh the shows who who have the power over the creative process of the show and not just advising people which i think is a really important role and i think there are far more like writers that are advising showrunners in this town, then there are showrunners because there are just fewer showrunners. Um, that, I'm not downplaying that role, but until you have, you know, showrunners and producers and directors uh, and producing directors, uh, the people sort of making the big creative power decisions that have disabilities, you can't ever truly have real, authentic representation, can you? I don't think so.
2: If you think about your accident and the dis- and your disability. Would you say it's been a hindrance or a help? You know, just as you look at your writing career, personal life, what would you say?
3: I would say it changed my life um, in some ways for, for, for worse in that I used to build the walk and, you know, I didn't have to think about these things. Um, but in many, many more ways for the better, and that's probably really hard for somebody who hasn't had that experience to understand how could being paraplegic make your life better? You know? Um, but it, it has opened my eyes in so many ways. It has, it, it changed my point of view and my perspective. It's made me a better writer. It's in a lot of ways made me a better person. Um, it has invited opportunities into my life that I never would have thought I would have had. Um, Uh, And that's a surprise I know maybe to hear, but um, that how can, you know, something that you're saying holds you back, create opportunities, but it has, it's created opportunities. It's shaped my voice as a writer. Um, It's shaped my relationships uh, with my family, my children, my wife. Um, And it has sort of defined my, my, my journey has in so many ways been defined by the the challenges and how I managed and how I overcame those challenges. Um, So much of that has defined who I am as a person and it's also defined my success. Um, So just the very fact that we're having this conversation, I don't know that I would be having this conversation with you had I not had an accident and been paraplegic. I don't know what I'd be doing, but probably not this.
2: You have done some amazing things. Put disability aside, okay? We'll add disability to it, but put the disability aside. You've done some amazing, amazing things. Versus a doctor, now as a writer or a producer, you have your own production company. You know, I think the disability is just kind of a plus. <laughs> it just adds to it. Um, if there's anything that, if there's someone watching this program today that is thinking about getting into the industry, or is having challenges in the, in the, in the business, in the entertainment business, and they believe it's because of their disability. What would you like to say to them?
3: I would say it took me a long time to embrace the disability as a strength and an identity. It took me a long time to do that. And because I was reluctant and resistant to do that, um, it, it, took me a lot longer to understand that it was a strength not a weakness. Um, I always felt like I had to apologize for it, you know, inside. I, when I first p- became disabled and I was dealing with, you know, going out in the world and trying to do, I always felt like I had to apologize for it or like I wasn't good enough or I didn't see the strengths, I didn't see the opportunities that it was affording me. And what I would say is you are defined by your, who you are as a person, by your collection of all your experiences in life. And to be a storyteller, what we need to do is we need to be able to relate. People need to be able to relate to the stories we're telling. They got to feel like they're real human stories that are relatable. And your disability is part of who you are. And that has created a challenge for you because of society's challenges, but also because there are certain innate challenges. We don't call it disability because there aren't challenges that we have. Um, and to think of those things as the things that sort of are your unique challenges that make you special. And, and that is how you, you sell yourself in this business, on your personal experiences. And there are a lot of people who don't have such rich and dramatic experiences to draw upon to tell stories. So I would say lean into it, don't lean away from it. If you feel like your disability is stopping you from, from being a successful person in the film or television business, I say you're not thinking about it the right way. Use it, <laughs> use your challenges, use your struggles, use what's different about you, and think about what is universally true about that because everybody has struggles, everybody feels disabled, in some way in their life. And, and you should lean into your disability. That's how you sell yourself. I sell myself based on my disability, partly. Part of what I sell myself on being a doctor, but you heard how I got my job on, on the good doctor because I have struggles and I have found ways to overcome those struggles and some I haven't. And all those are good stories. All those are good stories to tell.
2: Thank you so much for joining us today, for telling your story, your journey, helping others understand how they can take a similar journey. So I wish you well. I wish your family well. And I look forward to hearing more about that pilot and seeing that on TV soon on ABC.
3: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This has been wonderful. I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm I'm so happy you're doing what you're doing.
2: Well, thank you and stay safe.